wonderful Heavenly Father. Lord, that should be our confession every day. As your great apostle Paul, that great prophet said, I die daily. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And Lord, we're thankful that we can have that same assurance in this hour, that same testimony that we confess this morning our lives we give to you unreservedly. If we live on this earth, it's to be surrendered to you. If you would call us home, that's where the rewards are. That's where it's great gain, oh God. There's nobody, there's no saint, Lord, that you've called home that ever was sad to be there. They all rejoice to be on the other side. And one day, Lord, we'll be gathered. The promise of this hour is not that we would die, but that there would be a rapture. And Lord, we're looking forward to that. And this morning's service is a part of that. So many services, so many little events are a part of your great omniscient plan, O God. How, Lord, you knew the end from the beginning. And you knew exactly what would take place this morning. And so we just want to surrender ourselves to your perfect will. Pray, Lord, that you'll just anoint the service according to your perfect and divine purpose. You are the word, Lord. We're not preaching about the word. We're inviting the word to have preeminence. And we pray, Lord, you'll just take complete control over every part of this service for your glory. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may uh, take your Bibles if you have them with you. We'll turn in our Bibles uh, to the book of First Kings chapter 17. Greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do want to make one announcement that was uh, uh, mislaid there. And I'll just say the wedding of Sister Rachel Waldner and Brother Nathan Neighbor will be held at the church 1030 a.m. Saturday, February 9th. All are welcome to attend the ceremony, and those unable to be present are welcome to stream the service online. Amen. Praise the Lord. Another young couple finding their life's partner. That's wonderful. We're so glad for that. First Kings chapter 17 this morning. I want to say, as Brother Ryan did say, that uh, this is not just a missions report. This is the living testimony of the living power of a living God. And uh, we're not just talking about missions. We're talking about the reality of a God that has a redemptive purpose. And uh, so it doesn't matter whether it's in whatever country. We rejoice with Brother Steve Rivas over the baptism of his father. I don't know. I think he's in town. Is he here tonight? I don't He's translating maybe. And uh, God bless you, Brother Steve. And we're so thankful for your dad and your family and everything that God's doing. One soul is worth 10,000 worlds. And so we're so grateful for that. And I want to just take a thought this morning of he has commanded. And uh, we'll read here from 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. 
And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. I want you to notice that phrase, I have commanded. I was uh, up at about 1.30 in the morning uh, with the little fellow last week, and and uh, listening to a tape and waiting for him to settle down. And and uh, uh, I was listening to this Brother Brown talk about this. And when me, when he quoted those words, I have commanded, it like jumped out of the tape into my heart. And I thought, well, maybe I'll speak there on Sunday. So here we are. And uh, let's read on a little bit further. And, uh, and he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, verse 5. And he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and there he came to the gate of the city. Behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And she was going to fetch it, and he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And he said, And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a cruise. Behold, I'm gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. She was under a lot of economic stress. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. I want to just read one more scripture. And that's over in chapter 18. I'm sorry, I forgot to write it down. Verse 36, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Amen. Lord, let his blessing to the word. You may be seated. So God sent Elijah to a widow woman in the place of Zarephath, which would be in modern day Lebanon and uh, up in north of Israel there. And it was a time of high stress. When there was famine, there was drought and causing famine and everything seemed to be at the breaking point. The, the brook had dried up and Elijah now had been sent to another place and God sent the little woman a command and her command or his, he had commanded her that she would 
take care of his prophet. And that she would sustain him, that she would feed him, maybe wash his clothes, whatever might be needed, and that he would be there for quite a period of time, and that there would be a benefit to her to receive the word of her hour. See, these, there would be circumstances that would befall them in this place, and I'm just laying a bit of a foundation here, and then we'll go right to missions. But there would be circumstances that would befall them that would cause her to realize that this indeed is a man of God. That he indeed has the word of the Lord in his mouth. Now that's important because the words that came from Elijah's mouth were anointed. Are you with me? You see, God was loosing for her the anointed word of the hour for her situation. And she was, she was receiving, and maybe she didn't realize it, but she was receiving the most precious thing that there was in the land in that day. That was God's prophet. Hello? You know, that was, it was not just something that was, you know, passing or something that was, that was just, oh, he's a good man or I'm a good person and I'll help somebody out. We would say maybe in this day that's the Christian thing to do. But no, this was a great gift. The word of the hour had come by her way. Now maybe she was thinking that she was not sufficient. She was just trying to eke out a living for herself and her son. And it wasn't going very well, right? It was not going very well for her, but really it was the word of God that was going to sustain the word of God. But the word of God had to find a place of residence in order to bring a manifestation. In other words, the word had to be received by somebody to do the appropriate work that would in itself further the work of the word of God. And so there was a ministry that Elijah was just entering into, but there was a season now that he had to be sustained. And time was running out and she needed someone to take care of her, but God gave her a commission. Now... I just lay that there, and I'll leave that there till later. Do you realize the privilege that you have? I'm going to ask you a question. The privilege that you have of being a part of a church that recognizes the commission of the hour. Not just being a part of the message in general. Not just being part of of end-time events. But being a part of a ministry of our pastor who recognized it's not just uh, uh, believing a message, but there's something that needs to be done to sustain the message. I was thinking of Brother Biskell's uh, acquaintance with Brother Branham and how that he had a burden to take a prophet hunting. And how that it was just something on his heart that he would do something good for the servant of God. Maybe not expecting anything in return, but had respects to the ministry. And I think the natural types the spiritual. That he was going to do something for a man who was a particular gift on the earth. 
A prophet of God. Listen, when we talk about the gifts of God, we're not talking about something that you did or something that I did. Or I can't make myself anything. You can't make yourself anything. Brother Branham could not make himself anything. It was something that God deposited in the earth for this hour that we're living in. And God, I'll say, I'll say it this way. God gave a command to a man. Take my prophet hunting. Now he might have not known it as a command of God. He just felt like it. It was just something moved on him. Well, that was a natural, but now in the spiritual, we can see it through the life of a ministry that now has, has reached a certain season. Excuse me, brother Ed, of old age. Don't tell him I said that. And has come to a time in life where maybe he's maybe a little bit physically weaker. But he's stronger by experience. Stronger by the depths of what God has done in his life. And he recognizes the reality of what God has put into our hands now. Not a man, but the ministry that came through a man. Are you with me? All right. And you cannot underestimate the value of this message. I I could just preach now. I want to get to the missions, but you cannot underestimate the value of this message. You realize what this message is. Listen, I can go into a country and preach a meeting with thousands of people. These brothers can all do the same thing. You can go and have a wonderful meeting, but it will not have the lasting impact that the, the message will have when it's put into the hands of the people. Doesn't matter how great our ministries are, how anointed we are, whatever it might be, how wonderful people could be healed, even the dead could be raised, many things could happen. But when the people receive the anointed word of the hour, that is more power than any Billy Graham crusade. You could have 60,000 people in a stadium, you could have all kinds of numbers, that doesn't mean anything. But when the word goes out and the effect of it is what we're seeing around the world. And so I want to say you cannot underestimate the value of this message. Like, uh, you know, the devil doesn't want it to get into the hands of the people. That's why you see that people that leave the message, they, they have that attitude. Oh, we're just taking the Bible. You know, we're, we're just going back to the Bible. Really, the Baptists have had the Bible. The Methodists have had the Bible. The Presbyterians have had the Bible, but they're dead twice plucked up. If God doesn't send you the anointing for your age, the Bible's not going to do you any good. The Bible's still the absolute. The Bible's still the foundation. The Bible's still the truth. The Bible's still where it all comes from. But God has to send the anointed word. Listen, God was was with Israel. I'll I'll say it this way. I'm getting ahead of myself. But there was 7,000 people in Israel that were good people. That had not bowed their knee to Baal. But not one of them was going to change the situation. Till God sent the anointed word for Israel. And that's the one that this woman had received. And so you see, you are a part Individually now, not just as a church, but individually. I want you to catch this. You're actually a part of what God is doing around the world. 
And I, and I want you to catch that this morning, not to be some kind of pull for money. That's not the point. The point is that God has given you something to sustain. He's not just given it for your benefit, but he's put it into your hands as this widow of Zarephath was a type of the bride to put it in your hands that you might sustain it for the purpose that it was sent for. And so you might not feel able. She didn't feel able. You might not feel like, uh, you might feel real little. And, uh, you know, who am I? But God has counted you worthy to be a part of his redemptive purpose in this hour. Are you with me so far? Can you say amen to that? I'm a part of God's purpose. Amen. It's not, it's not just brother Tim. It's not brother Biscoe, brother Tom, brother John, whatever it might be. It's God's purpose. And we're all a part of it. And we're all, we're all of necessity in this together. Thank you. You can put the slides up. So with that, we go to uh, maybe a little bit different update because we've heard a lot about Ethiopia and Uganda. And that's actually going to be a minor, uh, this morning as we, there's been a lot of things that have happened in uh, 2018 that we haven't even been able to share. There's been things that have happened in Uganda that are phenomenal, in Ethiopia that's phenomenal, uh, and China that's phenomenal, and different places. But I want to just go through some things, and I want to start with translation, because that's getting the message into the people's hands. All right? Right now, there are, or as of the end of 2018, there are 9,637 translations available on the message hub. We talk about numbers of languages, but these are actual numbers of translated messages. This is for people that are in different kindreds, different tongues, different nations. And it's important that they have the message because I think everybody or almost everybody in this room speaks English or understands English. There might be a few maybe that are receiving translation while we speak. But if you don't have the message... You don't have the anointed word. And it's our job as believers to get this anointed word out. And that's what we do. We help. We sponsor. We encourage. And, and especially we, we operate the message hub. And I want to, I want to just say something because, uh, you know, you may not realize this. The message hub is, uh, something that is uh, dynamic. It's not just run by Cloverdale Bible Way. It's, for those of you that are not familiar with it, it's www.messagehub.info. And, uh, uh, there you see it right at the bottom of the screen there. And there we maintain a site for translators all over the world to bring their work together and make it available. When somebody has loaded a translation and it's approved, it's published, within minutes it's available around the world. Alright? Doesn't have to be printed here and shipped somewhere else and everything else. This has become more important because many of you, perhaps most of you don't realize, but Voice of God Recordings is no longer printing books. I don't know if you realize that yet. But they were a major printer of this message and shipping messages around the world. And we thank God for that. But they've gone all electronic. 
And uh, I know from being in touch with brothers in third world countries that being all electronic is not necessarily going to meet all the needs. But certainly God bless them for what it's going to do. And I'm not here to talk about Voice of God recordings. But what I'm saying is the message has been and is becoming more and more important because as we do in Uganda, as we do in Ethiopia, as we do in China, as as is done in Angola and many places around the world, they have a print station and they they log on to the message hub, they download the message, they print it right there and they can print it in their own country. That does several things. Number one, you don't have to ship, so you don't have the cost of shipping. Number two, you don't have to go through customs, which is becoming more and more onerous in the world as countries control their, that what kind of materials, what religious materials is coming into their country and so forth. This is all important. You'll see as we go along here. So in 2018, we added 766 messages, translations to the message hub. In one year, 766 translations. Now, these are just numbers, and I want to apologize for this slide to begin with. Because on this slide, I broke just about every rule of making slides. There's too much information, and there's too many colors. But here it is. (laughs) All right. These are the languages that 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 we have that have been translated in and have been put up to the message hub some we we are directly involved with some we are uh somewhat involved with and some we have no involvement with and uh there are translations that get up uh onto the message hub now you'll notice first of all um some brackets some numbers in brackets and i want to give credit where credit is due and uh brother cobus and brother stefan uh, Esther Heisen has, has uh, designed a program for translators and that's becoming more and more used. I think there's 31 active users now on their system and, uh, and the numbers that are in brackets are the ones that were done through Brother Cobus's translation system and so we're thankful for everyone, some of you here and some of you listening and some overseas use that and, and they especially have made a huge impact in the Afrikaans language. And uh, there's some tremendous things going on there, and it's moving forward, and we thank God for that. But beyond that, and all of the other languages, uh, you'll notice in yellow is the Indian languages. That's, uh, that's languages that we're currently working with to upload translations to make printing easier in India. I, I'll be heading over to India in, in, uh, in the not-too-distant future to further this work. And so uh, please remember them, uh, the Hindi, the Punjabi, the Telugu, the Urdu, which is Pakistani, but also in India. And these languages are very, very important. We regularly get requests from people in India that says, please, we need more translations in our language, whether it be Tamil, whether it be Telugu, whether it be different ones. So pray for these translators. I know this is a little bit dry, but just stay with me. Uh, I've highlighted some in blue here because I want to talk to the, about them specifically, that you might pray about them. The Japanese language, shown in the center column there in blue, the brothers in Louisiana are, are laboring over in Japan, and they're beginning to see some fruit in Japan. And so they've got some translators They've got some new souls and some people have been baptized. You know, that's a nation that really needs the gospel. 
It's, it's a land that has never been evangelized. And so, so there, there's, there are brothers there, Brother Craig Boer and different brothers that are going over there. And so pray for them that God will bless their labors there. The country of Myanmar has been in the message for a number of years, but the, the translations are just, uh, uh, they're just phenomenally uploading every month about between five and ten translations. And so, uh, just pray for them that the God not only will give them the translations, but will give them the understanding of the word in their country. You know, it's one thing to have translations. That's the mechanics, but it's got to be the dynamics that strike the mechanics. And so remember the country of Myanmar. That's over there in the, in the, uh, Southeast Asia as well. Uh, Ranya Katara is a language from Uganda. And the language that we're mostly working in with, as pertains to the awakening that's happening over there is the Luganda language. But the Ranya Katara language is a language that was, has been sponsored over the years, largely out of End Time Message Tabernacle in Edmonton. And they've uploaded their translations to the Message Hub and Excuse me, they are also on the Message Hub mobile app, which I'll talk about in just a moment. So remember them. That's that's the part of Uganda. When I come to Uganda, you'll understand because uh, for some reason, God is interested in Uganda in a special way. I don't know the reason. I was praying about it this week. Lord, you just must love these Ugandan people. What you're doing over there is phenomenal. And... Uh, we, we just are so thankful for the opportunity to support it. The Spanish language I've highlighted there, remember them, they're getting close to the finish line to have the entire message in Spanish. Spanish is one of the most spoken languages in the world. And so it's in the top three, I believe it is. And, and so we want to remember the brothers there as they come to a close. Uh, I say God bless them. These are brothers, uh, brother Paul LaFontaine, brother Doug Baker. Uh, Paul LaFontaine is from the east. Doug Baker is from uh, Arizona. And they have labored with a number of translators to get this uh, project completed that Spanish speaking believers like brother Steve, uh, brother Steve's father who was just baptized. Brother Steve Rivas, Spanish speaking, so they can have the message in their language. Amen. God bless them for that. And I want to mention just briefly the Thai language. And uh, in, in the Thai language, in Thailand, there's hardly any believers. Hardly. There's not an established church in Thailand that we know of. But there's a little sister that has a burden for her people. And she's diligently translating the message about one a month and i think there's about 20 20 some up on the message hub i say god bless her it's, it reminds me of the little wash woman that that pray uh, play paid that's the word i'm looking for that paid for an evangelist to come and hold a meeting in chicago and there dwight moody was one to the lord and there, God took that ministry around the world, but especially around the United States, it became a great evangelistic ministry. You know, all it takes is one simple person with a burden. And God bless our sister. Her name's Esther. God bless Sister Esther, who translates into the Thai language. And so these are some of the unsung heroes 
Some of the people that operate behind the scenes, some of the things that happen that you don't know about, that's constantly going on, and there's constant interaction with these people. And, and I can honestly say to about each and every one of them, God bless them each and every one. They're each individually a part of what God's doing in this hour. And so God bless them abundantly for that. I'll just briefly touch on this, the message hub mobile. Um, these are the languages that are up there in 2018. Message Hub Mobile is the mobile app. You, need, you know, it's becoming quite common in China. A lot of people read, read only electronically. And so they have the Bible app in Chinese and they call it the Bible app there because it's a form of the Message Hub Mobile. And, and, uh, but the Message Hub Mobile is international. As, as many people as get, we, we now put a limit at 50 translations up on the message hub. Then we, we uh, are able to put it in the mobile app, which has the links between the Bible and the message. And everywhere I go, I ask the minister, do you like the message hub app? They said, we love the message hub app. And uh, uh, we're still working on the iOS version. I'm always asked about that. We're still working on it. We had a setback uh, that delayed the process, but it's still moving forward. And we're thankful for that and the brothers that are working on that. Uh, there, there is also audio translation going on in different languages. And uh, I should mention, because the French audio project was mentioned here a few weeks ago when Brother David Mayer was here, that's still moving forward. The equipment is being put into place, everything to move the audio translation. We've got the entire message in French in written form. But... As we've seen in Uganda, to have it in audio format and especially to broadcast it on the radio has a huge impact in people's lives. And uh, we'll maybe talk a little bit about that as time goes on. Now, there has been a new development in the Message Hub. That is Message Hub Tracks. The We have uh, labored to... Um, uh, bring, pull out of the church age book 25 tracks that would be good for witnessing amongst people. And, uh, this wasn't, uh, necessarily my labors. Actually, it starts with, uh, brother Ken Andes. And I just want to say, God knows what he's doing. Brother Ken felt burdened. I'll say, commanded of the Lord to move to Cloverdale. And I think Brother Ken has been an integral part here. And uh, his labors for many, many years in the message under Voice of God recordings has been very uh, effective over there. And he worked with Brother Matthew Riddell in developing these tracks out of the, the, the um, church age book. That's the word I'm looking for. And Brother Matthew Riddell was burdened to bring them out and his, his group was burdened to he and his group to make them attractive. And so we've done that. And I want to say this. And I asked Brother Darren, where's Brother Darren? Brother Darren Hoffman. I'm mentioning names specifically because these are brothers that are unsung heroes. And brother, I asked Brother Darren, well, let's, let's, they've got these tracks. Let's, if they're all out of the church age book, let's automate it because I got a, I got an idea of what we're going to do with that automation. And so he automated the tracks. So that out of the message hub, or out of the church age book, we can now pull automatically and have pulled automatically 25 different beautiful tracks for witnessing. 
And you can actually have a look at these yourself. Brother Matthew brought a few of his team members in this morning early and came and printed some of these out. And they're on the back table back there. And you on the back table. And uh, you can have a look at them yourself. And there's just some wonderful uh, titles there. It doesn't matter whether Serpent Seed is there. The Godhead is there. Bat- water Baptism is there. Uh, True Revelation. Uh, the Seven Messengers. The Last Messenger to the Last Age. All kinds of things are in there that are pulled directly out of the Church Age book. Because the reason that I wanted them to do that was because I wanted to go further than just the English language. And that I wanted to be able to pull out of the church age book automatically all of these tracks in many different languages. And so now everybody that has a church age book in their language translated on the message hub, all they have to do is translate a few titles of these tracks and they have all 25 of the witnessing tracks in their language. I say praise be to God. Thank you, Brother Darren. Thank you, Brother Ken. Thank you, Brother Matthew. Uh, I'll say there's a certain sister over here that helped us with the pictures. And I don't know if she wants to be mentioned. But, you know, there's different ones of the different groups. You know who you are. Thank you all for everything you did. Because of you now all around the world. And we've generated. These are now live on the message hub. They can, uh, they can go in and they can download any of these tracks. And this is just the first step to the next exciting announcement. And this is the real excitement that i have this morning now coming up well there's several exciting things but amen for a number of years uh it's been obvious that there is a major language in the world that's not covered in the message and that is the arabic language for a couple of years i've i've been in close contact with brother jason demars of uh present truth ministries and uh, he's worked largely with the uh, Farsi language. And uh, I've said to him, uh, you know, if you ever come across somebody that, that becomes a believer that knows Arabic real well, we need translators for Arabic. So this past summer, he got a hold of me and said, Brother Tim, we found one. And so we, it wasn't just one, it was a group. And uh, it was in a certain country, and we can't even tell you what country. And I'll just say this about Arabic, because it's tied directly to the Islamic faith, uh, in that uh, um, you think communists are tough. A communist will throw you in jail, but Muslims will kill you. And uh, and so we, we don't want to expose anybody to danger by saying even what country it comes from, but it's from within a, in an Islamic country itself that some people come into the message of the hour and uh, begin to walk in the light and, and Brother Jason come across them and they begin to translate for us the church age book. And so I'm happy to announce this morning that the church age book is published. Hallelujah. All 10 chapters of the church age book is now available on the message hub as of two hours ago. Praise the Lord. They can download it anywhere in the world, even behind. I don't know what color curtain that is. We got the iron curtain, the purple curtain. I don't know what color is the Arabic curtain. Sand, the sand curtain, somebody said. (laughs) 
So it doesn't matter where it is. But this is, this is significant for many reasons. Uh, and firstly, I want to give credit to Brother Jason. It was a joint project between uh, himself and ourselves and, and, uh, and he he funded part of it and and he did the legwork and so we're just so so happy that we could get this because there's something happening in the world that you may not be aware of first of all there's there's 422 million arabic speakers in the world and uh uh 60% of those speakers prefer arabic in all things all right even when they go on the internet they prefer to use an arabic uh, portal to get into the internet and so forth. And so, uh, as we were coming up to the publishing date, I found it was very profound because the Lord had a brother in Europe who is, who unbeknownst to me was working in a Muslim country. And he wrote to me just last week before he knew anything about the church age book. He wrote me these words. He says, Brother Tim, I've been thinking on some North African Muslim countries. Since Arabic as a language is pushing former national language French away, and less and less people learn French as a second language, while literacy has increased the last 25 years in those countries, I see a great hunger amongst ex-Muslims for Arabic messages. Now remember, he didn't know nothing about what we were doing. He says, for instance, in the country of Chad, literacy has increased from 10 to now about 40%. And that is good. Arabic has been there since about 1993, next to French as the official status as a national language. So at first sight, you would think the people would understand and read French. The fact is that only 0.1% of the people has French as a mother language. And only 10% has some degree of French as second or third language. In administration, marketplaces, governments, and schools, Arabic has taken over as the most important language. Now, you might think that's not significant, that, that might hinder us, but actually I think that's God sent. Because largely these people were illiterate before. But now they're literate, but in the Arabic language. And so I would say this morning that we can thank our Muslim brethren for bringing literacy to the people so they can receive the message of the hour. It's all in how you look at it. So the brother wrote me, he says, my question is, could there be a project started somewhere, somehow, that that a few ex-Muslims who know Arabic, and he didn't know what we were doing, and so I, I, I wrote him back. I said, if you can keep a secret, because it was a secret up till now. I said, we're just about to publish the Arabic church age book. Praise the Lord. And with the Arabic church age book comes the 25 tracks for witnessing in Arabic. I say, hallelujah. God's exactly on time because these there is there's a couple of these brothers that are working together to reach into Muslims communities and there's been a number of baptisms he said in one place there was 60 ex-Muslims that were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ you know what God's exactly on time he knows exactly what he's doing. We, 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 we were waiting for years to find translators but for years God was letting the literacy rate pick up 
and grow and grow until finally now we have the message in their language and uh, uh, able to uh, able to give it to them over in those countries. And the brother said, you know, maybe I could print some and ship it in. I said, well, that, that could be dangerous because I know firsthand that shipping books into a country, it's going to be examined by the customs people. And yet that could be dangerous. What I suggest you do is arrange a printer in the country and print it in that country. And I said, there they, then they'll have the, the message in their language. And he appreciated the advice. And we thank God for what he's doing in this language. I'm not a prophet, but I'll just say, I hear the sound of the abundance of souls in the Arabic language. That's what I hear. Praise be to God. Uh, I, this this soul moves my soul. And uh, I don't know if she's here this morning. Is Sister Grace here this morning? All right. Sister Grace Robinson, uh, I want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, she was the one that, on this end, that did some proofreading and uploaded the messages for us on the message hub. And uh, many of you may not know uh, Sister Grace, but she many years ago heard about the need for Arabic in the message. And it moved her because she was in university to switch some of her courses and to take Arabic studies in university. Who commanded her to do that? She had something to do. And it may have seemed like it languished for many years, but in God's season, what God did back here comes into effect over here. And now, Sister Grace, she's been very busy trying to make uh, ends meet for herself and her little boy. And, you know, we appreciate uh, all that she'd done. And, and I'll just say, I don't know that we could have done this project without her. And so God bless Sister Grace and all of her labors. Amen. Praise the Lord. God knows what he's doing. How would you like to hear a little bit about Uganda? All right. As of this moment, as of this week, I guess we've raised $140,000 plus for the country of Uganda out of our $200,000 goal. And we thank each and every one of you. You're a part of what God's doing in Uganda. And uh, there there are just too many things to say about Uganda. And, and the situation is so unusual that we thought, what can we do to let people know what's really happening? And so what we've done is we've actually done a documentary. For Uganda and we're in the final stages of it and at the end when I'm done the slides we'll show you uh, a, just a little video clip I think the world calls it a trailer for we don't do DVDs anymore so what we're doing is three parts about 30 minutes each that we'll release on the internet and we'll let you know when those available part one should be available very soon but this, even just this week, I'll just give you a synopsis of this week. Uh, Brother Stephen Ibali, he had a meeting just for ministers and their wives that have come into the message. And he says there was about 200 people there in this meeting so he could minister to them about the role of ministry and the role of ministers' wives 
and the importance and all the things that, that we recognize are in the message of the hour. And this is now a constant gathering. I don't have the pictures with me from, from Brother Fred, Fred's meetings, but he also has regular meetings every week for ministers that are embracing the message of the hour. It's, you're just trying to introduce the rudiments of the message. It's not to replace the Bible school. It's not to try and, and make some kind of a, a school of, of preachers, but, but just to be able to introduce them and they're hungry for the word of the hour. And as you know, we've printed 5,000 uh, uh, Lugandan church age book. We've now printed 2,000 English church age book. We've purchased um, 400, uh, I'm sorry, yes, 400 uh, MP3 players for them over there. Quite a number of Bibles as, as funds have come in for the Bibles. And so all of these things are happening as we speak. And so we've, we're definitely seeing things move forward. Next week, Brother Ibali will be at a gathering in a new place amongst a total new group of people. Uh, that will be uh, about 300 or more people gathered from about 30 Pentecostal groups that heard what God was doing amongst the Baptists. And now they're interested, and this is about 650 kilometers away from where Brother Stephen lives, which for you or I, that would be like probably three times that distance. So almost 2,000 kilometers from where we live is is how what it takes to get there if you're in Africa. And so it's they're they're just going from week to week. From situation to situation, there's hardly a plan to it. God opens a door over here. Another door opens over there. There's a, another picture from the minister's meetings. And then Brother Basabosi writes me this morning. He said, this morning, he says, I preached in a Pentecostal church of about a 100 people that have just heard about the message. And there's about 10 ministers in that group of people. And they're all interested in the message of the hour. And they want the church age books. And they want to hear about these things. What God is doing over there is beyond our understanding. All we can say is glory be to God. And I didn't want to spend a lot of time this morning going over every individual event. It would take up the entire service uh, to talk about what God's doing in Uganda. But then over in the eastern part of Uganda, we find Brother Fred, now start, or not Brother Fred, I'm sorry, Brother James Navanabande beginning to minister amongst Pentecostal groups. And a whole church is coming in over there. And down in the southern part and up in the northern part where they just were with uh, Brother Green, Brother Albert Green, I think, from Trinidad. And, and if you know Brother Albert Green, they were just in the northern part of Uganda together. And so God's just doing phenomenal things around the world. That's just one country. If I would mention Ethiopia and how that they, they wrote me and said, Brother Tim, he says, you know, we, we really need to, there's enough um, people gathered together in several of these small groups that now we need to start little fellowships in some of these outlying towns. I say, praise be to God. That's exactly how the message grows. You go into a town, someone's saved, someone else is saved. They get grounded in the word before you know you got three, four, five believers and they start a little group over there. Amen. So there's needs in Ethiopia. And, and so I told him, well, praise the Lord. Start like we started. Start in the house. Start, start preaching. Start having meetings in the home. And it doesn't have to be a church building. It doesn't have to be a, a, a storefront. It can be just in the house. Invite other people. And so the word continues to spread from person to person to person. 
Pray for the country of Angola. There's ongoing works there and, and the brothers there are asking that I would come. I don't know if that will materialize and, uh, but pray for Angola. Maybe we'll make a trip there this year. We'll be going at Easter time to Uganda and Ethiopia, Lord willing. And, uh, just many, many needs. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll just tell you what, something. Pray for me. The needs I'll just say the goalposts change from week to week. You know, you just think you got a handle on it. Okay, this is the direction we're going. All of a sudden, there's an explosion in another area. And it's like, okay, well, we got to deal with this too. And then there's something else happens and then something else happens. What are you going to do with that, Brother Ernie? It's going to just cause your mind to just be overwhelmed at some times. But all we can say is we're just supporting what God's doing. We're not doing it. Praise the Lord. We're sure not making it happen, but we want to be behind what God is doing. Amen. So I just want to say that to appreciate all of your support and all of your uh, interest and concerns and prayers and uh, Brother Richard's still working on, on shipping clothes to Uganda. And, and uh, he said, please tell the people, don't give me anything yet until I get a shipping route solidified. So don't give him any clothes yet. Uh, if you already have, that's all right, I guess. But uh, he's working on it. And we'll let you know if you've got some used clothing to send over, good used clothing. We started something new. We, one of the things we do in missions, is this all right so far? Thank you. Um, one of the things we do in missions is try and communicate with you. And we've tried to do a better job at that than we've ever done before. And so we're always thinking of new ways. Brother Mark helps me. Uh, he's always thinking up new ideas. Some of them I squash. Say, no, that's not going to work for us. But some of them are good ideas. And one of them is that he, he has his phone number. And he, and he says, well, maybe we should text people when there's an update on the website. And so people everywhere are using WhatsApp, not just here, but out on the internet. If you want to get a, an update on your WhatsApp, I gotta get this right. Where's brother Mark? In the balcony. Alright. Let me know if I don't get it right. You want, you want to get a text update over WhatsApp direct to your phone. Text this phone number. Now, I could say, well, not now in here, but uh, <laughs> if maybe if you're watching on the internet or something, or you're you're watching this later, text this number and say update me or something like that, and uh, and they'll send you a text whenever there's a new post, a new development comes out. There's always new developments. I think we've posted like four or five in January alone, and uh, new developments. If you haven't seen them, they're on the church website, Bible Way. Dot org, dot org. There's where you get all the missions updates there. Praise the Lord. So there's your missions updates because there's a people that's concerned about missions. Before I go back to the word, I'm going to let them bring up the video. I'm just going to show you a little, give you a little taste of the documentary that we're putting together. I think this is only about a minute long or
is not a story. It is something that has been captured. Videos, people, trucks are taking them for baptism. What strikes them? What strikes them? We'll leave you with that question. Something struck them. It was a truth. It was more than truth. It was an anointed word that came across the radio waves and began to strike them in maybe ways they could not understand. Brother Mark wrote to Brother Fred this week and said, Brother Fred, just to update, how many baptisms... How many baptisms do you say or do you know of that took place in 2018? We put over 10,000. He actually said 19,570 in one year. Because he says what we've been involved in is about 5,000. And then we sent the ministers home to baptize their own people. And so the numbers just extrapolate from there. This is a phenomenal thing, but what has done it? What has caught their attention? It's not a system. Praise the Lord. They're not joining a system. They're not drawn by some dynamic ministry or some great personality. It's not some individual that's that's risen up to say, I'm leading this. No, it's an anointed word that has caught their attention. God was has blessed Uganda in a way, and I'll say even more so, God has blessed the world more than this world will ever realize with this message. Just like the widow woman that was receiving Elijah, let me quote you some things that Brother Branham said about her. He says, he took him to the poorest of the poors. Said, I've commanded a widow woman to sustain you. And she didn't even have enough meal in the barrel for her and her son to live that day. But I've commanded. He says, I've ordained it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He says, when God ordains anything, it's got to happen. It'll be there. God will meet it. As I already talked about last year, I said there was some reason God connected us with Uganda. You know, going all the way back to 2013 and the un- unfolding events, God has a purpose in these things. God has commanded these things. Well, you know, why did a group of young people go to Uganda in 2013? You know, someone like Brother Kim Dingwall, that, that would be totally exhausted from the effort of the trip and, and ask himself, why am I doing this? Because God commanded it. The labors of the voice translation, like the French that's starting up now. And then I think, why are we doing this? What is the purpose? The Holy Spirit is commanding something. And when God commands it and God ordains it, it will be done even if it's done by the poorest of the poor. 
Because that's our God. He's the one that's orchestrating these events. We're not orchestrating them. It's not orchestrated by a denomination. If it's a system, it'll fall apart. That's why people are leaving systems in Uganda and coming into the light of the hour. Because the systems have been ordained to crumble. They're not from God, but God has ordained through the mouth of a prophet that his word would go forth and quicken his elect. He says, now when this little woman know that she had met all these requirements, and he's talking about her situation now. Listen now. He says, she, that she knowed she met all her, all these requirements and still God was silent. Seemed like he didn't even care for her. He didn't care whether she lived or died. Now he's talking about her mindset before Elijah shows up. The, be- the meal's getting lower. The oil's getting lower. Lower day by day. She's starting to ration instead of a full cake, maybe half a cake. Maybe we'll just make it a little bit by. And our, me and my son, I'm just trying to survive. I was moved yesterday. Now forgive me. If she's watching, she'll understand. But I was moved yesterday because of a little woman that has a son that helped us with the Arabic. And she might have wondered, what's my purpose? God has a purpose. She's just trying to eke out a living. She's just the poorest of the poor. Excuse me for saying so, Sister Grace, if you hear this. There's others of you. I think of your sister, Brother John, and and her testimony. This is personal. I was sitting here, one service, feeling sorry for myself a few years ago. Why me? Why do I have to go through this? What is, why, what is this doing for me? And God spoke down in my heart and said, I needed to show you what a single parent goes through. And I thought, well, that's strange. That's really strange. That same service, excuse me if she's here, maybe she's here, she's your sister here in the balcony. Where are you at? To the left, Sister Elizabeth. I, over left, 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 left. There she is. Excuse me for singling you out this morning. But she came right up here. Maybe you remember. Brother John and I came down and prayed with her. She said, it's so hard being a single mom. Then she looked at me. And she said, maybe Brother Tim, you understand. God had just spoke to me in this chair. In that same service, I needed to show you. Why? Because even the least of the least of the least, God cares about. God cares about the little one. God cares about the suffering one. God's got a purpose for you. You might think, why am I even here? Why do I even endure this? Why do I go through this? Because God has commanded it so. God has ordained it thus. And she's... Brother Branham talks about her. She says, seemed like he didn't even care for her. He didn't care whether she lived or died. But all the time God was working. She didn't know about it. Hallelujah. But God told Elijah. 
He dried up the brook and reached out his hand and stopped the brook from running. And Elijah said, Lord, why did it stop? He says, I've commanded a widow woman to feed you. Now listen, he says, he's already commanded her and she didn't know it. There's something happening behind the scenes. Something's moving her. God's taken her through a terrible economic situation, but God's got a purpose in it. God's got something in it that he wants to do. See, he commands the great and he commands the small. That's our God. It's God doing it, but it takes a prophet of God to declare what God is doing. That's why even in the hour that we're living in, we realize that there had to be a prophet on the scene because God says, I will do nothing but what I show it to my servants, the prophets. And God was going to turn a corner in his great redemptive plan. And God brought the mysteries to unfold in this hour. God's bringing everything into place. It's all moving behind the scenes, but nobody knew. Nobody knew as the denominations were lining up. Nobody knew as Pentecost was denominating. Nobody knew as Brother Biscoll has shared with us as the revival was dying. And the churches were becoming cold. And the people were leaving the word of God. And even our own pastor began to question within himself, what is God doing? There were things happening behind the scenes. But it took a little prophet from the hills of Kentucky with a seventh grade education to stand behind the pulpit and say, the revival's over. America is finished. God is done with it as a nation. There'll be little things here and there, he says, little revivals, but the nationwide revival is over. And nothing's left for America but judgment. Once God has taken the elect out of there, God has declared it through his prophet, declaring what he's doing. And here he comes along now to this woman. And he says to her, turn with me to Isaiah while I'm saying this, Isaiah 45. He says to her now, he says, listen, I'm going to tell you something. That cruise of oil will not run dry. That barrel of meal will not fail until rain falls upon this earth again. Why is he saying that? She didn't know that. She just, all she knew was God has to do something for me. God, you got to do something. She was a believer. And God sent his word by her way to tell her, I've been watching over you all this time. Many times in a, in a prayer line, prophet of God would, would pull people through the prayer line and go through their lives. You, because you had this in a child, as a child, because you were chased by a dog, or because you fell into a well, or because this happened, or because that happened, or you've been to so many doctors, and the doctors have said there's no hope. And and the doctors have diagnosed this. Or the doctors say they can't find it. The devil's hid from the doctors, but he can't hide from God. And, and what does all those statements mean? It's not telling, their, telling the person that Brother Branham knew about it. He's telling them, God has been watching over you all this time. He's got it all in control. Isaiah 45 and verse 1. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, that's the king of Persia, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him. And I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I'm sure that meant something to Cyrus. It doesn't mean anything to me. Verse 4, for Jacob's, my servant's sake, 
and Israel mine elect. I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. Now watch how God's working here. He says, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. I'm working, and you don't even know what's going on. You know, as far as Cyrus was was concerned, he says, everything works. Every decision I make, look at that. It works there, and it works there, and and we defeat these guys, and and my armies are great, and we're victorious, and all these things are happening. My, I must be a great guy, but God says through his prophet, I'm going to tell you what's happening behind the scenes. I'm the one that's doing this. He says, verse 6, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Drop down, you heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open, and let them bring forth salvation, and let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Now watch verse 9. Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Then he says... Shall the clay say to him that fashioned it, What makest thou? Or thy work he hath no hands? And so God goes on in verse 12. He says, I made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens. All their hosts have I commanded. Now, the Apostle Paul picks up this thought in Romans 9 as he's speaking about the sovereignty of God. And he talks about complaining about God's will in your life. And he says, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formeth, Why hast thou made me thus? That's what Isaiah said to Cyrus. All right, he says, Hast not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? I'll tell you what, God knows what he's doing. God puts all things in order. And we just try and follow the mind of God and be led by the Spirit. And before you know it, and I, I could, I'm only echoing what any other minister could declare. And what you could declare, if you ever think about it, is that these things that seem to fall into place, they're not just falling into place. God is watching over things to make sure they happen just the way He needs them to happen. Alright, Brother Branham says, In the message, warning, then judgment. He says, God knows what he's doing. He's talking about, you know, the situation where the girl that had the anemic situation with a child, that the baby had died in in her womb, and then, but because she was anemic, I think it was, could have been something else, septic or something else, I don't know, but she was sick in the hospital, and there they were going to operate on her, but they couldn't because she was sick. So they couldn't take the baby, so they're both going to die together. Brother Branham goes in and prays, and the woman is delivered. And so it's, it's great, and it's a wonderful, wonderful, great testimony. And uh, he's rejoicing. And uh, that night, the girl's in the bed and says to her mom, she says, Mom, I'm going home. 
And mom says, sure, yeah, just a few days, you know, they'll take the baby, then you recover, and then we'll all go home. She says, no, 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 I'm going to my heavenly home. And in a few moments, she's gone. And Brother Bram says to God, why did you do that? Why, why, what's the story behind that? I, I don't understand. And, and Brother Branham actually begins to declare about God dealing with his life. And, 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 he, and God finally comes around and shows him her time to go was actually another time. But she wasn't ready then. She would have drowned. Listen, saints, God's not going to lose one. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. And so... She could have gone at a previous time, but she wasn't ready. So God had to take her when she was ready to go. All right. Now we'll pick it up from there. Brother Branham's words. God knows what he's doing. The Lord probably would have told me that if I hadn't have taken the attitude that I did. Lord, you owe me to tell me about that. He don't owe you nothing. Oh, how many times are we like that? Okay, how many times am I like that? All right. Lord, why is this happening to me? I don't get it. This is just too much for me to handle. There's the woman that Elijah came to as he, as she's got just her last little bit. And here comes a man that says, bring me a cake. What? After all I've been through, seems like God don't care about me. And now this man comes along. There's something different about him. But he comes along and asks for a piece of cake. But yet it was the very answer to her prayer. It seemed harder, but it was greater. And so he, he says, he don't owe you nothing. I stood in a meeting one night and heard an evangelist praying for a sick person and said, God, I command you to heal this person. He says, who? command God he says it isn't even intelligent God does what he wants to do can the clay say to the potter why did you make me thus see certainly not but if the prophet will keep still and then seek the Lord for the answer there's the answer there and then he says He says, now God always brings to pass everything to work together for good to them that love the Lord. Authority. Command. Command is only by authority. A command is an authoritative statement. God says, I command the heavens. I command all the earth. I command all events. God's working out a, a great redemptive plan god commanded you god watched over your lineage because and i have a quote here somewhere where he wants to bring a certain ting in your life he actually brother branham takes a statement and says i'm trying to remember who he was referring to here i'll come to it later but he 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 says god had to allow high breeding that's what it was the woman at the well high breeding samaritan high breeding To bring a certain ting in her life. God's against high breeding. But God had to allow it in this situation. Because he wanted to bring a certain sound out of her life. That would be different from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Alright. Now now let me just go down that road. I hope this is alright. But if it isn't. I'm going to India soon. Uh, Here's. Think about this woman at the well now. She's a certain woman 
that has a certain weakness that's maybe caused by what Brother Branham called hybriding. Jew and Gentile mixed. And so as a result, it brought a certain something in her life that brought her down to the depths of her being that maybe she asked herself, we don't know whether she had any children, but maybe she asked of herself, why do I bother? Nothing ever works out for me. God doesn't care about me. It just seems like there's no answer to my prayers. But all the while behind the scene, God was working. But God had to bring a certain something in her that to the world looked like weakness, but would bring her to a certain situation of desperation in her life till there she was at the well in the middle of the day. An off-scouring from society, an outcast to where she was alone, where God needed to meet with her, and along comes the word of the hour. The anointed word now comes by her way to quicken her. It wouldn't quicken those where there was no representation. But there was something in her that God had worked out. And now as she began to hear and begin to hear that word for that day, she says, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. And when the Messiah comes, we know he'll be a prophet. And he says, I'm he that speaks to you. She leaves her water pot. She doesn't say, oh, well, that our church doesn't actually have that kind of a doctrine. No, she leaves her water pot because she's done with her church. Hello? She's done with her system. She's done with all the false promises. She's done with her messed up life. And she said, this is the word that I have been waiting for. Hallelujah. No different than 20,000 people in Uganda. No different than Steve Revis's father. No different than you. No different than me. 30 some years ago that said, this is what I've been looking for. I didn't know I was, I was wandering the streets of New Westminster at 18 years old, 19 years old, training to be in the bank, wandering, walking down the streets with my basketball under my arm, going down to the school to shoot some hoops by myself. Saying, God, where are you? Where's God? I was raised in church. I was raised in a system. I was raised to worship God. I had a revelation that God is God and he's deserving of every ounce of my worship. I already had that revelation. You can tell me there wasn't God. I'd seen him do the supernatural. But the question was, where are you? I'm walking down the street. I'm going to shoot some hoops. I'm shooting some hoops saying, God, where are you? God, where are you? You know, all of those things. And, and, and just wondering, going back to my apartment. God, where are you? Staying up at night, praying, sitting in my chair. God, where are you? No answer. Seems like he never answered. Seems like he didn't care. But one day, pieces were falling into place. He had to use the bank. He had to get me in the management program. He had to get me transferred out to the middle of nowhere. Or next to it in the Okanagan. A little town where there was a little branch where he'd also transfer a police officer who had just received the message of the hour because God knows what he's doing. Amen. He has commanded. He will perform it. Hallelujah. There was a woman... There was a woman called Ruth who needed to glean a poorest of the poor. She happened 
actually happened to come on the field of Boaz. I'll just tell you a little testimony. It doesn't make me nothing. This is years and years and years ago when we were still in Dawson Creek. Uh, Why did she end up in that field? Because God commanded her. It was just the Holy Spirit pushing her. No, not that field. No, not that field. Keep walking. No, not that field. Then she ends up in, oh, there's a nice field. Yeah, take that field. Now she's in the field where she's supposed to be. Circumstances are coming together. The vision is beginning to fall into place. And so as, as she begins to glean, I, I remember a situation. Why do I say that? I remember a situation years and years ago. I was just young, just a young preacher and trying to, I think we we're having meetings. I don't know if it was in my basement, Brother Tom, or if it was in that storefront place we had in, in Dawson Creek. You remember that? And uh, near to where uh, an old building was that they thought maybe Brother Ed had lived in down that street. Remember? And the, the girls will remember it. Sister Linda certainly will. I'll just say it this way. It had the old leaning outhouse. You know, it was just kind of, it was just kind of little events. I thought, now this is going to be where my dad lived. And so while we were there, I was, I was praying. It was a Saturday and I was praying. It was getting late in the afternoon and getting ready for service on Sunday and praying and praying. I was really burdened about one particular man and he was a, a native man and, uh, he had been to the meetings, but I hadn't seen him in a couple weeks. And so I was really burdened about him. And so I was praying for him, and, and I just felt like, okay, I'm done praying, but I don't feel like visiting. I think I'm going to go for a walk. So I go for a walk. I tell my wife, I says, I'm just going for a walk. So I go out the door, go out down, down uh, 16th Street, go down the hill, you know, down towards the creek and down around that way. And, and uh, you know, just walking down certain street, turn here, say, okay, I'm done walking, turn around, come back up towards where the house was. On 96th Avenue there, and, and we're coming up towards the house near where the Husky Station is there, and I'm just getting to the intersection, and just in front of me at the intersection walks the very man that I was praying for. Amen. Now, what did that? That wasn't me. That was just God hearing my prayer. I was so burdened for Him, and God knew He was going to be passing by that way. And so I'll just say, God commanded me to go for a walk. I didn't view it that way at that time. It was just something that I felt I needed to do. Go stretch my legs. And, 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 and as I run into him and talk to him for just a few minutes, his name was, I think, Henry. And as I spoke to him for just a few moments and encouraged him, you know, just to serve the Lord and encourage him just to surrender his life completely. And he went on his way and I went on his way and never saw him again. He died two weeks later. And I thought, well, maybe something I said he took to heart. And maybe I'll see him on the other side. I don't know. God knows. But God is the one that orders things. Boaz, speaking to her, Ruth, as she's in that field now. She's in this field just gleaning. All she knows is a hard economic life. Hello? Anybody got one of those? All she knows is just a hard time making ends meet. Seems like her life had fallen apart. She lost her husband. She lost her father-in-law. She came back with her mother-in-law. They didn't have any possessions. She's just gleaning. But along comes the Lord of the harvest. 
and speaking by inspiration, says to her, finally he says, listen, don't go in any other field. Stay in my field. Furthermore, I have commanded the young men concerning you. They will not touch you. And furthermore, he didn't tell her, but he told them, drop a few handfuls on purpose where you see her glee. Don't reproach her when she gleans amongst the sheaves. You know, don't be hard on her. Just take care of her. Just give her everything that you can do for her because there's something coming down the road. Listen, you might think, oh, something little good happened to me here. Something little good happened to me. Who directed that? Who commanded that? Who's been watching over your life? There's an almighty one who commands the heavens and commands all events. And he's watching over you saying, I am the one that takes care of you. If he can tell a king who gives, who he gives great victories in Persia and tell him, listen, I'm the one that gave you those things. Even though you don't know me, I have surnamed you. Furthermore, I have ordered these things and it's all for a purpose. And I made you the way I made you for a purpose. Brother Branham, so there, there was a, I'll say it this way, as, as Brother Branham talks about this, and I, I just have to go quickly, but there was someone greater ordering events in Ruth's life. Why? I'll say it this way. Excuse me for saying it this way, but I, I'm quoting a prophet. I say, God had some high breeding for a purpose. Woo, Brother Tim, that's strong. Because he was going to take a Moabite woman, and marry her to an Israelite. Just like he would take a woman out of Jericho and marry her to an Israelite who would produce that Israelite. Is that right? And so God has a way of doing things. See, we think we understand God. I don't want to get personal with people's lives here, but I know of lives that are here that, that you might wonder, why did God allow this to happen to me? And why did God allow that to happen? It's all for a purpose. And so Ruth comes down now into the field. And God's got a purpose because there's something in Ruth. Hard to believe as she was a Moabitess, which Moab is out of incest. Hello? Starchy religious legalists. I don't know if there's any here like that. But over in Israel... They thought of the Moabites, they're just a bunch of incest people. Because they come out of uh, a lot through his daughters. Is that right? And so my, it's just a reproach. But God says, there's something there that I need because I'm preparing for myself a man after my own heart. Ooh, this gets tight now, doesn't it? And all of a sudden we think, oh, well, it's all about purity and it's all about righteousness. Listen, we have standards. We don't believe in living like the world. We don't believe in acting like the world. We don't believe in, in, in the nonsense of the world and adulteries and fornications and all of those kind of things. Listen, that's not to be named once amongst believers. All right. We don't we don't believe in 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 things that are contrary to the word of God. But sometimes God does things that will make the mind of man just spin when you really think about it. And so so God had had this vessel come down because he's making another vessel with a certain ting to it. A man that would be after his own heart. And God is going to order that man to his place. 
But I want you to follow this now. And so God, and I'll quote now, Brother Brown says, God might have had that to interbreed and that to do this certain ting of the bell. Here's that quote I was talking about. Like the molder when Jesus said and turned, I'm he that speaks to you. There was no such expression as Beelzebub. She left her water pot, ran into the city, come see a man. He said, quickly her sins were forgiven because at the beginning she was redeemable because she was in God's thinking at the beginning. So it redeemed her or brought her back. She seen the expressed scripture manifested of Jehovah, what he was and what he is. All right. God is commanding something here. That's the woman at the well. Ruth, God is commanding something here. Because Boaz would beget Obed. And Obed would beget Jesse. And Jesse would beget David. Is that right? Now, we don't have time to turn to the scripture. You can read it when you go home. 1 Samuel 13 is where Saul comes to the final straw of his disobedience. Saul was the man that the people chose. And so he was, he, he was a type of king that they wanted. And so he began to, um, to weaken and fall away from God until finally Samuel said, all right, there's going to be a battle. Wait seven days. At the end of seven days, I'll come offer the sacrifice. You'll be ready for battle. So Saul, at the end of seven days, he doesn't see Samuel. He doesn't know. Listen, it's all under God's control. It's all in God's commands. Saul thinks he's got to do something. And so he takes and sacrifices. And as soon as he does, Samuel appears on the scene. What have you done? This is not the way I told you it should be done. And don't think I told you that way because I was thinking it. I told you because God told me. Hello? A prophet doesn't speak concerning those things pertaining to his own mind. And so God speaking through his prophet, he said, wait seven days and I will offer the sacrifice. Because there was a purpose of the prophet, which is the anointed word of the hour, offering the sacrifice in the evening time. It all had to be according to God's purpose and that would bring the victory. So now God begins to speak through Samuel to Saul. He says, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people. Because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded. Oh. Did David know that God had commanded him? No. David was out taking care of the sheep. David was not yet anointed. David didn't know anything about it. But God had prepared a vessel. And God has commanded that this vessel would be king. It's not that David didn't have his own mistakes. But David was always mindful of his position. I don't want to touch on this subject and then we'll close. There's way too much here for this morning. But Brother Branham says... In the message, Influence, where he deals with getting out of your position. He says, any man is subject to mistakes. Praise the Lord. I can put my name there. He says, any man. He didn't say most men. He said, any man. Any man is subject to mistakes. He's subject to error because he's human. He's subject to the violations of God's laws. And he's subject to many things because Satan tempts him and he's just a human being. And if God ever lifted his hands, he'd fall. 
Now we see that in Saul because God took his hand off Saul and Saul became demon possessed. Is that right? All right. So if God ever lifted his hands, he'd fall. That's all. I've heard people say, oh, Satan can't do that. Yes, you just let God lift his hand one time and watch what happens. I constantly plead, God, don't send him. Have mercy on me. Keep him away from me. I need God's mercy. And we all need that. All right. Commanding. Are you still with me? Now Moses knew what it was to command. He was raised in the palace. He had command, Brother Branham uses his words, he had command over all of the land of Egypt. He had command of the authority of the palace. He had command over the armies. He had command. And by his command, at his command, by his politics and his upbringing, he had a certain level of authority. And any time that there's a command, there has to be authority behind it. See, you can't just, like the, like the Brother Bram talked about the preacher, I command you, God, to heal this person. Really? Not likely. There's no authority anywhere that gives us authority to command God. God commands man. Man doesn't command God. But God gives us authority over the devil. In a church, God gives a pastor authority. God puts in his people, his word, and his word gives them authority. We talk about the third pole. We could talk about the spoken word, you know, and different things. We can even talk about the last commission. Go ye into all the world and, 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 uh, uh, preach the gospel. Lay hands on the sick. Take up serpents. If you drink any deadly thing, it won't harm you. The last commission, Mark 16. That's, a, that's a commission. A commission is a command. And so God was going to give Moses greater authority or to operate power than just operating the powers of Egypt. But there had to be a molding process like there has to be in each one of our lives. All right. Whatever authority God's going to give you, it comes by character. Character comes by trials and moldings. And so it only character is not a victory is not a gift. It's a victory. And so we know all these statements. But Brother Man, I'm talking about Israel at the Red Sea here. And I'm just you can see I'm just skipping over it here. But I trust you'll catch it or at least the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what he wants to reveal to you. He said, God said to Moses, tell them to stand still. And I'll show you what my grace is. Just stand still. Don't be excited. Every footstep of a righteous man is ordered of the Lord. No matter what comes or goes, God orders it. Maybe through trials and it may be through troubles and tribulations. But as long as God's leading, what difference does it make? Amen. A number of you can say amen to that with your heart. Some of you say, I don't like the hard times. You know, that's human nature. We don't like the hard times. You know, Jonah didn't like to go to Nineveh, but he had to do it nonetheless. He says, as long as God's leading, what difference does it make? He says, now tell them to stand still. They love me and they are projecting to me by proving that they believe me to step out on my word and they believe it. And now they're at the end of the road. I love that statement. The end of the road, just like the the widow of Zarephath, just like Ruth, just like the woman at the well. 
the end of the road. He says, love has taken them as far as it can. So now I will project to them. They projected love to me. I'll project my divine grace and power to them. Tell them that they're at the end. They can't do no more, but they still love me and they believe me. So my grace will work now in this case. Hallelujah. God knows what he's doing even when you're at the end of the road. Amen. So God begins to move. Now I want to just highlight a couple things here before we come to a close. Because God, as I was studying this, I thought God is so sovereign in the way that he moves. In the way that he gives commands. And there's a purpose in saying this for each one of us individually. And so as God begins to move amongst Israel, I'm just going to zero right in now on Moses and Joshua. God is molded Moses 40 years in the wilderness. Now God is molding, molding Joshua 40 years in the wilderness. All right. So God has a purpose in Moses' ministry to take them up to the land. But redemption is only, is two parts rather. It's not just coming out of, it's also going into. Right? So it doesn't matter even as uh, preachers if we preach deliverance, whether we preach salvation, whether we preach sanctification, whether we preach baptism of the Holy Ghost, or possessing your mountain. It's all the same redemption. It's a coming out and a going into. Amen? And so we see all of these things now God working. So then God says to Moses, He says to Moses, Now take Joshua, the son of Nun. You'll find this in Numbers 27. And I'll just follow these through now. A man in whom is the Spirit... And lay thy hand upon him and set him before Eliezer the priest and before all the congregation and give him a charge in their sight. All right, that's the same word. Give him a command in their sight. Now, there couldn't hardly be a better uh, command than from God's vindicated prophet of the hour. Praise the Lord. The prophet of God brought us out of Egypt. He laid his hands on me, Joshua, and gave me a command in the sight of all the people. And that would seem like, humanly speaking, that would be sufficient just to have the prophet lay hands on you. But you see, God is the one that commands. God is the one that orders men to their place. Alright, so then in Deuteronomy 31, the Lord says to Moses, Thy days approach, and thou must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tabernacle of the congregation that I may give him a charge. My. So here God says, Moses, you give him a charge. But now God says, I will give you a, give him a charge. And Moses went and Joshua went, presented themselves at the tabernacle. Same chapter a little bit later. He, he spoke to Moses now. This is Deuteronomy 31. You can read it all when you go home. He says in verse 23, he says, And he gave Joshua, the son of Nun, a charge, and said, Be strong and of good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land which I swear unto them, and I will be with thee. Settled. Not settled. That should have been enough. But now, if you go to Joshua 1, God begins to speak to Joshua personally. And says now, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. All right, don't don't try and write into anything what I'm saying here because I'm I'm bringing this down personally to your personal address here. 
And so God says to Joshua, have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with you whithersoever thou goest. Now why are you reading these, Brother Tim? Because it would seem like what Brother Moses said about Joshua should have been sufficient. But God said, just because Moses said it and give him a charge like I told him to, that's not everything that Joshua needs. And that's not everything that you need. It's not good enough for me to tell you who you are. God has to tell you who you are. He's the one that commands you. He's the one that brings you to your position. He's the one, and I appreciate what Brother Tom preached last Sunday, how he brought out just walking with the Lord. I can't remember the title. Just, just, we want to just walk with Him. We don't want to walk on basis of man's say so. Well, brother so-and-so said I was this, or brother so-and-so said I was that. That's fine. Maybe God told him to say that. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. I'm not the judge of that. But in the midst of it all, Joshua needed more than that. Joshua needed to hear from God personally. Lord, this brother said this about me. Moses said this about me. All this. But what does God say about me? It's important that you know what God has said to you personally. This is a personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He says, in a message influence, I'll go back to that. Isaiah. Now Isaiah learned by this, talking about the fall of Uzziah, a great lesson. That God orders his man to his place. Man cannot order yourself to a place. God must order your place. Don't forget that God orders you to your place. You must not never try to take another's place. Don't try to be something that you're not. Oh my, what is he talking? Brother Branham is hammering this. He's talking to the businessman. He's saying, don't get out of your place and try and be a minister when you're a businessman. And he's just laying it in and laying it in. Why is he laying it in? He says, because there's a result. And Isaiah recognized that Uzziah was the greatest man on the earth. God had commanded him and put him in position as a king. But he tried to become a priest. He got out of place. And leprosy struck him or sin struck him because he didn't stay what God had made him. He says, God orders man and you can't take another's place. If you do, you're only producing a carnal impersonation. And finally, it's going to be smitten. You can't do it. God orders you to your place. Then we want to be like Mary. Be it unto me according to your will. Lord, I don't want anything. It doesn't matter what people pressure me one way or people pressure me another way. I want to be what you want me to be. I want to walk with you alone. I don't want to be influenced by men's opinion. I don't want to be a big guy in the message. Hello? I don't want to be worldwide recognized. I want to go where you want me to go. 
I want to do what you want me to do so that if any troubles happens, I can say, Lord, you put me here. They say, oh, Brother Tim, is it just for ministers? No, it's for individuals. It doesn't matter if you're entering into a relationship. Lord, is this my husband? Lord, is this my wife? Brother Brown says, you better enter into it prayerfully. He says, because that's going to affect you for the rest of your life. If you're entering into it for any other reason than it's you feel and believe that God has spoken to you, then you're on dangerous ground. Oh, my well, I think I should do this. Or What about your work? What about this? What about that? God orders these things. Elijah learned that as we come it down to a close. He learned that God, when I, God said to pronounce no rain, then God said, I commanded the ravens to feed you. And then when the brook ran dry, God said, I commanded the widow to sustain you. And I went there and it happened just like he said it would. And so whatever God commands, that's where I want to be. And so God sends, says to Elijah, now is the time for rain. Now this is what I want you to do. And he goes up to Mount Carmel and he's, and he's, he's thinking he's all alone. He doesn't know that there's 7,000 yet. He's thinking he's the only one. And he calls all of Israel to a showdown and the prophets of Baal. And, he, and you know the story. And he sets up the altar of Israel, the 12 stones. The redemptive purpose of God, one for each tribe. See, God had a purpose in each stone. God had a purpose in each tribe as he rolled the stones up and set them in place for the altar. Said Israel's for a purpose. And that purpose is that there would be a sacrifice upon this altar. See, they didn't recognize their redemptive identity in that altar because Israel as 12 tribes of a nation was for a purpose that there would be a sacrifice at Calvary. And God was going to bring the reality of that altar into manifestation at Calvary. But that was a representation of it there. And that God brought this nation together for a reason. If you're separate and broken down, you can't fulfill God's purpose. See, God brought you here for a purpose. If you separate and become just unto yourself, then you can't fulfill God's purpose. God brings certain ministry in play. God brings certain members in play. God even brings people in the body that you don't like. I was wondering who was going to say amen to that. Because he knows you need it to mold your character. Don't ask me, okay? But God knows what you have need of to mold you, to bring you into that attitude. Just you, Lord. I just want to be where you want me to be. I just want to be my position in the altar. I just want to be in my place, not try to take somebody else's place. Hello? Somebody say amen. Amen. You know, I don't want to be anything but what you made me to be. Because if I take somebody else's place, they won't be what you made them. And who's going to be what you made me? Then the whole body begins to suffer. 
But the purpose of the word is to bring us into our position. That's why God commissioned Joshua go in and place the people in their position because it's all for a purpose that there would be a a culmination of this redemptive purpose in Calvary. And through that, I would redeem a Gentile bride and bring it all to fulfillment in the last days, a bride coming up into position. And then I'll turn back to the Jews and I'll redeem the 12 tribes and it'll all be over. Praise the Lord, because God has ordered it so. Authority. Elijah stood there on Mount Carmel and said, Lord, let it be known that I've done this at your command. I didn't do this by any other reason than you told me to do it. I didn't think of this. I didn't ponder this. I didn't try and make this happen. You try and make something happen, it won't happen. Listen, we tried to make the Arabic translation happen for years. Nothing happened. You try this direction, you try that direction, you think this is the way, you think that is the way. You've got to wait for God's timing. And then Elijah goes up, offers the sacrifice. God consumes the sacrifice. He goes over and he prays over the Mediterranean Sea or wherever it is. And and as he's praying, he prays and he prays and he asks. He says, is there a cloud? No cloud. He prays again. He prays again. He prays again because he knows this is the season. This is the time. God has said it. So I'm not letting go until God brings to pass what he has commanded. He said rain will come because I pray for it. And finally, after the seventh time, he prays praise and he says anything and his servant says i see a cloud about the size of a man's hand and elijah says glory to god i hear the sound of the abundance of rain tell ahab to hurry because he'll be stuck in the mud if he doesn't hurry glory i hear the sound of the abundance of souls speaking arabic you say oh brother tim it's just a translation but i hear a sound Amen. God has brought these things into place. God has commanded these things. God is sending his word out. It's an anointed word. The same anointed word that says the cruise will not run dry. The barrel will not fail. That same anointed word come into a vessel in this hour. Oh, do you realize what we hold in our hands? It changes lives. It answers the questions. It brings deliverance. It brings transformation. It brings down the Holy Ghost for people to believe God's word. And God comes down and anoints that word to somebody's life. And before you know it, there's a church somewhere. Before you know it, there's a people who did it. God ordered it. I can't even tell you what country the translation was done in because it'd be dangerous for the translators. But God ordered it. God knows what he's doing. He's the one that's in total control as the musicians come. He said in the Pergamian church age, he says, notice the harmony of the father and the son. God or Jesus never did anything until it was first showed him by the father. This harmony is now to exist between the groom and his bride. He shows her his word of life and she receives it. She never doubts it. Therefore, nothing can harm her, not even death. For if the seed be planted, the water will raise it up again. Here is the secret of this. The word is in the bride as it was in Mary. The bride has the mind of Christ 
for she knows what he wants done with the word. Amen. We can apply that personally. I know what he wants done with the word in my life. Or we can apply it internationally. I know what he wants done with the word. She performs the command of his word in his name. Did you catch that? She performs the command of the word in his name for she has thus saith the Lord. Then the word is quickened by the spirit and it comes to pass. Like a seed that is planted and watered, it comes to full harvest serving its purpose. Why are you here? Because God, just like the widow woman at Zarephath, God had a word. Now God could have supernaturally sustained Elijah out of manna from heaven. But that wasn't God's way. He says, I'm going to send my word to somebody else so that they in turn can sustain my word. Glory. I'm going to send my word to you that you might become the word and that you might sustain the word. What a glorious hour. Let's stand together. Are you a part of that end time command? Are you a part of the commission of this hour? Oh, that's a pretty weak answer. Be it unto me according to thy word. Are you a part of this commission in this hour? You might say, well, I'm just a part of the church and... You know, I, I feel like I'm a nobody. Listen, you, doesn't matter who you are, have been brought here for a purpose. You might chafe at it sometimes. You might, it might rub you the wrong way. You might feel like I'm unfulfilled. Just wait. God's the one that commands things. Not you, not me. God is the one that brings things to pass the way that he orders them where will you be in six months do you know are you even going to be alive in six months my apologies to my elder brothers but I've been thinking the last couple months I'm getting old I'm not a kid anymore I'm 57 Brother Branham only lived to 56, brother. I've outlived the prophet. How much time have I got left? Am I treating it seriously enough? But you might not be here in six months. I read a, I read an article yesterday. Somebody died. I can't remember who it was. Some significant person that was in the news. They were 57 years old. My response was, well, I'll live him. (laughs) That might seem humorous to you, but it meant something to me. It was his time. It was not my time yet. But as long as I'm here, I want to be in the purpose of God. I want to recognize God has put me here for a reason. Be it unto me. Why don't you sing that to him this morning? According to your word, according to your promises, I.
That's our desire. According to we surrender our will. We surrender our ideas. We surrender our desires. Promises. I can stand secure. God. together as we close in a word of prayer I don't think we need a we don't need a show of hands we don't need a show of an altar call or anything like that which things are perfectly all right but what we need is a show of attitude before God saying Lord I really mean it be it unto me according to your will I don't want to be like uh Zachariah, who questioned your will about John. I want to be like Mary, who had a different attitude, though it seemed like the same words. But it was a different attitude when she said, how shall these things be? And you explained it and she said, be it unto me according to thy word. Oh Lord, we want to be like Mary. Even as your prophet said, the word is in the bride as it was in Mary. Let the word be in us individually as it was, Lord. Let it quicken, O God. Lord, let the things that were spoken this morning be anointed of your spirit. Not the thoughts of a man, but the realities of a living God that can take a phrase and make it a burning fire in a heart, Lord. Oh God, let the burden of the word transfer from the pulpit to the pew. Lord, let it bring forth that which it is meant to bring forth. And we will give you all of the glory. Lord, we appreciate everybody that's here because I count them, Lord, as being appointed to be here just like myself. That, Lord, there's a purpose in it. And, Lord, they've supported getting the message out. They've been under the vision of the pastor to take the message out to the world and give them what we have received. Lord, as much as we have freely received, we should freely give. And Lord, bless each and every one, whether they've labored, whether they've given, whether they've prayed, whatever they've done, Lord, you know them, each one individually. And Lord, you're the one that orders each one to their place. And we ask your blessing upon each life and say, Lord, be it unto us according to your command. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Let's sing, uh, I'm amazed that you love me. I'm amazed that you love me. Oh, I'm amazed how you
Hallelujah. Aren't you glad he loves you? Do you love him? It says if you project love to him, his grace will come on the scene and meet your need. That's what we want in our lives. Just love the Lord and go on loving the Lord. I love you each and every one. I love you for because you're children of God, but because also you're burdened like me to see the message go out. When I see you rejoice like I rejoice because the souls that are coming in, the word that is going out, the impact that it's making, it just thrills my heart. I, I appreciate you each and every one. God bless you. Shake hands with one another as you go. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name.